Vice-Chancellor, uh, High Commissioner, ladies and gentlemen, uh, can I say straight away how grateful I am to the Oxford University Press that you've only been given the smaller version of the Dictionary of Quotations. Uh, I think I'm right in recalling that in the larger edition uh, there are two of my remarks drawn from a more demotic stage of my life <laughs> of which I am not hugely proud but will, I'm afraid, follow me down the years in the pages of the uh, Oxford Dictionary of Quotations. Um, I'd like to join the Vice-Chancellor in welcoming you all today, uh, wearing several hats. First of all, to welcome you as the Chancellor of a university which has for over 400 years had a relationship uh, with uh, India. Secondly, as the Vice-Chancellor said, I'd like to welcome you as the co-chair of the UK-India Roundtable. The Roundtable was begun by uh, Mr. Vajpayee and Tony Blair, whom older members of the audience may remember. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I think it was given uh, a new impetus by the uh, visit that the present Prime Minister uh, made to uh, India last July with a number of ministers and others, including uh, myself. Um, its purpose is to thicken up the relationship between uh, India and Britain. It's had a number of successes to its credit, including the UK uh, in, uh, in India Education Research Initiative, which has resulted in about 180-odd collaborations between uh, universities in India and the UK. Uh, and I'm very pleased that one of my colleagues uh, in the round table, Patricia Hewitt, uh, who's also a chair of the UK-India Business Council, is with us today. And she's, uh, she's done a huge amount to uh, strengthen the bridges between the UK and India, for which um, I think we're all extremely grateful. Um, I'm also delighted to be here as someone who's been a regular visitor to India over the years, beginning when I was Britain's Overseas Development Minister in the mid-1980s. Uh, and over that period, I've seen some of the extraordinary transformation uh, uh, in India as it's left behind what uh, many Indian politicians and economists used to describe um, as the Hindu rate of growth uh, and has been booming uh, while at the same time facing uh, really difficult challenges of how to secure inclusive growth and so on. But it's been an extraordinary story of uh, economic success. Uh, and I'm also pleased to be here, if I may say so, as the uh, fairly new uh, chairman of the BBC. Uh, we inherited from the uh, government um, uh, responsibility for the World Service, um, along with a substantial cut in its budget. Um, uh, it's what's called in rugby football a hospital pass. Uh, but I'm, I'm pleased that we've been able to do a bit already to mitigate some of, uh, some of the damage, and one of the particular pleasures has been to uh, ensure that we can restore the uh, 
World Services um, uh, service in Hindi, uh, shortwave service, which is listened to by about uh, 10 million uh, Indians in the villages of India, plus Vikram Seth, uh, who is a, an alumnus, uh, a listener to the BBC World Service, and a regular email correspondent of the Chancellor of the University about the subject of the shortwave Hindi service. So <laughs> I hope that uh, if he's on receive as well as broadcast, um, he will uh, 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 take account of uh, what I've been able to say to you this morning, um, a service which will now uh, be morning and evening. Um, I, I, I guess, though, that for some people, my main credentials for being an India groupie uh, lie uh, elsewhere. My uh, youngest daughter um, uh, acted in a famous Bollywood film and indeed learnt Hindi in order to do so. Um, and now I find that when I'm interviewed by Indian newspapers, um, the articles usually begin Chris Patton brackets, father of Alice Patton, close brackets. <laughs> which is uh, very good for the practice of humility. All I, all I really need in order to complete um, the full set is uh, a son, not that I've got one, who played in the IPL. That would really <laughs> <laughs> so make us a lot more prosperous. So I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, we've taken this initiative, and I'm delighted that so many of you have been able to uh, come. As the Vice-Chancellor said, we've never done anything like this before. Um, the purpose, as he said, is to uh, raise our game in India. Uh, and it's a purpose which I've certainly felt very strongly um, ever since I became Chancellor um, seven, eight years ago um, and had a number of conversations with the rector of Exeter, Francis Cancross, who I think is somewhere um, among you. Uh, Francis, though, who's done fantastic amount to strengthen the relationship between the university and India. Since she and I first went to India together and shared a particularly spiritual experience in a helicopter, um, <laughs> the number of Indian students at the university has almost doubled. It was under 200 when I became chancellor and is now 363 the number is heading in the right direction, but there's still, in my judgment, some way to go. Uh, we've also got uh, 80 of our academic staff are uh, from India, uh, and there are, uh, to some extent, overlapping, but uh, a different group, over 80 of our uh, academics who are working on various aspects of Indian civilization uh, and uh, uh, history and life today. Um, Oxford, as the Vice-Chancellor mentioned in relation to the weather, uh, Oxford is, is uh, part of Britain, um, and we can't deny it, and there'll be more evidence of that this afternoon, doubtless. It shouldn't, it shouldn't actually affect the cricket. I think cricket is one of those extraordinary pastimes when it doesn't really matter whether the game is being played or not, because... <laughs> You can, still, you can still talk about it. Um, um, 
uh, if, you, if you want to read about a corridor, about a bullfight uh, in El País in Spain, you don't find the account on the sports pages. You find the account um, on the arts page. Um, and I've always thought that perhaps that's the correct way of, uh, of treating cricket as well. So um, we're British in terms of weather. We're here uh, in the Thames Valley. Uh, we're part of British history. 26 prime ministers of this country um, uh, have been uh, uh, Oxford graduates. Very variable lot, to be honest. Um, <laughs> some rather better than others. Um, the present, present cabinet is, is full of Oxford alumni, the prime minister, the home secretary, the foreign secretary, the Chancellor of the uh, Exchequer, and I could uh, but won't uh, go on. So I suppose I should add we all know who to blame. Um, uh, but it's been an important part of this uh, university of the country's history. If you stand in the Sheldonian, then 200, 300 metres, um, a huge amount of British history has unrolled over the years. Um, but at the same time, we're plainly a world university, uh, and one manifestation of that is, as the Vice-Chancellor said, the collections, uh, which include some uh, remarkable um, artefacts uh, and books uh, and manuscripts from uh, Indian history, uh, the Bodleian, the Sanskrit manuscripts in the Bodleian those extraordinary cotton fragments uh, in the Ashmolean, uh, all those items in the Pitt Rivers um, uh, Museum, which is a, which is a real uh, adventure. Uh, and, as the Vice-Chancellor said, we have the uh, Oxford University Press, which has over the years printed, I should think, um, half the books written by members of Indian cabinets. Um, the Oxford University Press is the largest academic publisher in the world. Uh, if you put together the revenues of every other academic publisher, they don't match those of the Oxford University Press. It's a Im hugely important part of this university. It plays in Oxford the sort of role that Trinity College plays in Cambridge. Um, uh, it, it's a terrific success story and a very important part of our interface with uh, India uh, and, indeed, uh, the world, and I know that they've just launched uh, a new generation of books for Indian students, particularly in subjects like engineering, which uh, I hope will be successful. Um, so the relationship is, is very important, and becoming, as far as we're concerned, at Oxford, even more important, uh, because India is plainly uh, going to be one of the main factors, players, in shaping the 21st century. Now, that's partly because of your size in India and your relative youth. By the 2040s, India, as we all know, will be the largest country in terms of population in the world. It will have a much younger population than China, uh, the second largest population in the world by the middle of the century will be Chinese pensioners. 
So just because of its, its size uh, and its scale in economic terms, India is going to be hugely important. But it's also going to be, uh, in my view, important because of um, the values uh, of uh, your uh, pluralist society. Now, there's a lot we share. Uh, we share uh, language. Uh, I've just been uh, reviewing for the Financial Times the latest uh, novel by one of our uh, alumni, Amitav Ghosh, the second volume in his trilogy about one of the less attractive aspects of the relationship between the UK and India, that is the opium trade uh, in the 1830s. Um, and it's a reminder of how much language we share and how much a point once made in this university, not without controversy, by um, Mr. Manmohan Singh, how much India and languages, patois, uh, uh, slang, have contributed to the evolution of the English language uh, itself. As well as language, we share, of course, uh, a commitment to pluralism, to the rule of law, uh, and Amartya Sen would point out as well, I guess, to a comprehension of the dangers of identity politics and the importance of uh, political moderation. I remember hearing Amartya Sen note that uh, India was practicing uh, moderation in its institutions when uh, in Britain and Europe we still believed in the divine right of kings. So there's a, a huge amount that we share of the sort of significance which I think is going to be more important than the sim simply the size of economies in the 21st century. And as you move forward, we would like very much in Oxford to be part of your adventure. Uh, we know that one of the challenges that you face in India is the growth in the number of young people with expectations of uh, higher education. Um, we hope that we'll be able to uh, attract more of those young people to study here, uh, to research here. Uh, we very much hope that we'll be able to develop our scholarships for helping to uh, fund those uh, students, both undergraduate and postgraduate, and we hope that we can help many of our own students and researchers spend time in India. I'm particularly pleased, incidentally, about our internship programs, which have been, um, I think, an increasing success in providing uh, our students with an opportunity not just to visit India, but to visit other countries as well. Um, you know, and you'll hear during the course of today, um, some of what we're doing to encourage the study um, of different aspects of Indian society and history. We have a, a, an impressive suite of master's courses, and I think you're hearing about the uh, MSc course in uh, contemporary uh, uh, South Asian studies uh, later on. And there's a great deal of collaboration uh, going on between uh, Oxford and Indian institutions already. 
uh, I was in uh, Kolkata with um, uh, two or three of our colleagues who are here today and uh, also Sally Shuttleworth, who I think is going to be with us this afternoon. Um, I, I was there talking about the humanities um, uh, a few months ago, and none of us knew at the time um, that at the same time that we were in Kolkata, so was the dean of our law school um, organizing a moot um, uh, with the uh, law faculty of the university. So uh, there, are, there are collaborations in uh, law, there are collaborations in the physics laboratories, there are collaborations in cancer research, which, not to sound too gloomy, is I think now the second biggest killer uh, in uh, India. Collaborations in public health, in social sciences. Uh, and I'm delighted that uh, as a result of the Prime Minister's um, visit to India last July, we have with us now at the Said School um, a dozen uh, Chevening Rolls-Royce um, uh, in industry scholars, uh, uh, people in mid-career in industry and science who are spending um, time at Oxford uh, with a bespoke um, course, uh, and I was happy, very happy to talk to them uh, the other day. Um, I think the areas of research collaboration underline some of our strengths, but I just want to say one thing about the university's uh, strengths, um, which is a, a sort of unashamed ad, I suppose. Uh, people know how good uh, Oxford's humanities and social sciences are. Um, we have, I think at the last count, uh, 10 out of our 12 humanities departments get the top uh, ranking in the United Kingdom and are probably better than anywhere else in uh, Europe uh, and as good as anywhere in the world. It's less well-known. Well, I used to get this wrong. I used to say <laughs> that Oxford is one of the best places in the world to study mathematics. And the vice-chancellor last time I said it and was on a platform with him said, what do you mean it, it is the best place in the world <laughs> to study maths? With, I think, um, out of 12,000 undergraduates, 1,000 uh, who were studying um, mathematics, um, it's a story which... Unfortunately, we've perhaps um, hidden under a bushel for under a bush for for, for too long. Um, our medical sciences division, um, if it was separated from the rest of the university, which isn't going to happen, um, <laughs> if if it was, in terms of its research income, uh, would be the fifth largest university in the United Kingdom. So. Uh, these are some of our huge strengths outside the humanities and social sciences, uh, which we're anxious for others, including our friends in <laughs> India, to uh, know about. Uh, I think the potential for developing our partnership at national level, India and the UK, at a time when, for example, Indian investment in the UK is bigger than the UK's investment in India, uh, I think that potential is huge. And I think it's equally the case that there's a, an enormous potential for developing the relationship between this university and the academic, business, uh, government, political, professional, NGO life of India. And I hope today will encourage 
that greater collaboration uh, and an exchange of ideas across the board, uh, including ideas about how we can build on uh, today's initiative to our mutual benefit. Now, I want finally to uh, introduce Professor Gua. Um, I, I talked uh, earlier about uh, a, a novel by um, Amitav Ghosh, which I've just been reading. I'm happy to say that I've also read um, the most famous of the books by Ramachandra Gua, um, who is a great historian and a great biography biographer. Um, he's not only written about critic, cricket, which shows how civilized he is, <laughs> though not, I think, necessarily a view that would be shared by Amitav Ghosh, um, uh, who's, uh, as uh, Professor Gura has just reminded me, and it's clear from his latest book, he's not a great fan of cricket. Um, but he's, he's particularly well known um, for his magnificent history, India After Gandhi. Um, it is a terrific book. Um, it, it's always a pleasure when you can refer to somebody's book and not have to make up your enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> mine is absolutely... I, yesterday I had to introduce Hilary Sperling, and fortunately my wife a couple of Christmases ago gave, her, gave me her biography of Matisse, so I was able to um, speak with the knowledge of a reader then. But particularly, um, I want to say what um, a huge pleasure it's given me to uh, read um, uh, Professor Guha's uh, history. And, and um, my next intention is to read before the arrival of the Indian Test Team later this summer his, his uh, social history of cricket in, in India. Um, it's a book that was, I think, chosen by The Economist and The Washington Post and The Wall Street Journal as one of their books of the year uh, and was chosen by the Times of London as one of the books of the decade. Um, Time magazine uh, described uh, our next speaker as Indian, Indian Democracy's uh, prominent chronicler. Um, I'm sure if you haven't done so already after listening to him this morning, you will head like heat-seeking missiles for <laughs> Blackwells in order to purchase um, uh, uh, India after Gandhi and any other of his books you can find. He's travelled from Bangalore um, to be with us today. Uh, it's a great privilege to invite Professor Guha to address us all.